Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Tonight, we have three creative geniuses on deck for you. First up, we'll talk with artist John Romita Jr. After that, we'll talk to one of my favorite Spider-Man artists of all, Mark Bagley. And finally, to keep it in that Spider-Man family, Jerry Conway, the co-creator of The Punisher, will be joining us. All three of these creative geniuses will have conversations with them and more. Stand by. you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight listening to us on the big 550 KTRS. Hello to you. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, hello to all of you and thank you very much for subscribing and listening each week. No video tonight because as you may remember from last week, I am not in studio. This is a pre-recorded show and it's not good enough to just leave you with a best of some of my previous stuff. These are brand new interviews that you, dear listener, have not heard yet because I'm not going to stick you with the best of just because I can't be in studio. I'm actually in Pasadena, California at the moment. I'm hosting a Justice League panel consisting of George Newbern, Marie Canals Barrera, Susan Eisenberg, and possibly a few other guests might show up um, with ToonCon, which is a great event. I'm very excited to be working with the people at Slebworks who are putting this event on, and hopefully, ToonCon may be coming to a town near you, and you might even see me. We'll see how it all goes. It's their first kind of trial run at having their own convention, but I'm in uh, out in Pasadena, California, but I will be back live with you again next Sunday. So uh, here's some great new interviews for you tonight, and hopefully you'll tune in again to hear us live next week as well. Uh, I do want to make a mention of the fact that our YouTube subscriptions... We do want to try to get that number up to 500 by the end of the year. We're hoping to get it done here by the end of September. We missed the mark, unfortunately. But we did have several of you who have been getting the newsletter and everything like that did take action and did subscribe. So if you could, just take a moment, go to YouTube.com, find geek to me Radio, and subscribe there. We would really appreciate that. We're trying to boost our numbers there. And have a look around. See, uh, maybe you missed one of my interviews. We got the live interviews we do at the conventions that my videographer, Bob Singh, Singleton Films. Uh, we we do some of those conventions appearances and some of the interviews live there. And of course, um, just some of the other videos we've got. We've got some older stuff from way before the radio show even started. Some unboxing videos I would do and things like that that are kind of fun to look back nostalgically speaking. For me anyway, uh, we'll see how much you enjoy them. But leave a comment, subscribe, hit the bell so you get notifications every time we go live on Sundays with video. And Joey V, my executive producer, sits across from me and uh, brings you those live streaming videos of my guests like last week with Brad Meltzer and Falk Henschel. Great show last week. Um, Thank you again to both of those guests. That being said, we have three fantastic creative people 
who I always kind of associate them with Marvel just because of the work they've done and what I know them for. They've worked for other companies. Obviously, they've done their own things and they've got some great projects uh, coming your way. So we're going to start. These are all from my time at Terrificon in Uncasville, Connecticut, which again, shout out to Mitch Halleck, who puts on just one of the best conventions in the entire country. I will not ever miss Terrificon because it's such a great show. And I got to talk to all three of these creative people there. First up, John Romita Jr. This interview will be a little bit different from my normal ones because I was there with a couple other people. So you're going to hear some other voices that aren't mine asking some questions. But basically, we sat in a conference room with John Romita Jr., me, three other guys, and he's sitting there just sketching out stuff for us while he's chatting with us. And he started out, I couldn't get the thing turned on quickly enough. He started giving us his famous meatball recipe, and we're going to pick it up right there. Ground sirloin, ground chuck, your favorite beef. A little bit extra fat in it, doesn't bother anybody. Eggs, of course, you can even throw in egg whites if you are lean people or want to stay lean. Uh, And then you throw in uh, breadcrumbs, your favorites, and oatmeal. Oatmeal? Oatmeal. Yeah, oatmeal. Now, you don't have to put a lot in, but a cup per pound. And for some reason, Virginia Romita adds wheat germ to it, and I don't know why. It was just her personal choice. And... uh, Anyway, you mix it all around and never roll your meatballs. And this seat is sliding down on me. Never roll the meatballs, just be gentle with them. And you take them out, you take a tuft of it and drop it into some uh, boiling olive oil, brown it a little bit, and toss it into the sauce. Hmm. There it is. Right. But the trick is never to roll a meatball ever again. Give me a piece to remind Because you, you leave them nice and yeah. soft and gentle. When they're in the sauce, they will, some of them will disintegrate and make the sauce almost a chili-like thickness. And some will be soaked up with that, your, your tomatoes so beautifully that they taste fantastic. And they're the most gentle, delicate, tender meatballs you'll ever had in the best. So you're never worried about the shape then per no. se? It's all well, about the you flavor. Can, don't just drop a glump in it. You know, grab it, maybe <laughs> you can massage it with your fingertips. But never roll it, okay. ever. All right. Other than meatballs, what can I do for you guys? But let me tell you something. Cooking is important to me because I work home. I'm, I'm at home all the time. And my wife can't always cook, and I cook sometimes, and she actually survives it. It's great. Allegedly. Allegedly, that's right. She doesn't complain. Who's, is this? Um, right what would you like? Um, I'm not sure. I've never done this before. How about Daredevil? Is Daredevil yeah, okay Daredevil with you? Awesome, yep. All right. I think I have a pencil in here somewhere. I think I know what I'm doing. And I can draw and talk at the same time. And I can chew gum as well. Well, I've got a question for you then. Sure. Uh, back in uh, Marvel Age issue 102 oh from 92, God. you did an interview right before you were doing Hearts of Darkness. Oh, God. And you mentioned well, at that time that you suffered from, what, as you called it in the interview, Meryl Streep syndrome because you wanted to do it all. Now it's 30 years later. Do you feel you've done it all? Only with the exception of a couple of characters that I want to work on I haven't. But as far as... Uh, 45 years doing it, it's getting there. I'm getting close. Still haven't had a year where I said, wow, I can retire and be proud of this year. I still feel like I have a lot of room for improvement, which is good and bad. It's good that I can get better because I want to, but bad because I'm never satisfied with what I do. I'm my own worst critic. And uh, my wife gets mad at me for being a critic, and yet she'll come over my shoulder in the middle of the night what did you do here? What, what's wrong with this? Fix that. That leg is too long. 
Thanks, honey. I appreciate you being so supportive. But I am my own worst enemy. That's the truth. Actually, my own worst critic, which is also an enemy. Right. Um, I don't know about the initial question. I don't know if I've gotten to the point where I can say I've done enough. Maybe that's for somebody else to say. I can't tell. I'm happy, but not completely satisfied, so the answer probably should be no. Do you do a lot of sketching outside of the assignments? Like, are you practicing? Uh, I doodle. Mm -hmm. I do. But it's only because there'll be something where I'll want to sketch something that I see and I want to create something from it. So I'll write down a couple of things in a note. But I don't go to bars and draw at a bar or anything like that. Uh, but I do doodle occasionally, yes. Who's the best inker you've ever worked with, and why is it Klaus Janssen? <laughs> Scott, Hannah, and Klaus Janssen are the two best ink artists I've ever worked with. But I've worked with guys like Al Williamson, mm-hmm. Rudy Nebras, uh, Tony DeZuniga, brilliant illustrators. But the most success and fun I've had is with those two guys that I mentioned, Scott and Klaus, Klaus and Scott. Danny Mickey's right there, too, but... If I had to choose between with one, I don't think I could do it. Because they're brilliant artists to begin with who happen to be ink artists. And they're dear friends, and I don't want to insult anybody by saying one sure. first. <laughs> now they probably all have a little bit different, something better. Uh, yeah, Klaus is more of a gritty ink artist. Yeah. And uh, Scott is more of a polished line work, and which is why they like him for Spider-Man. There's less grit in the character. When I do Punisher, they want me to do it with Klaus. When I do... Even the Hulk, they want Klaus because it's ballsier and grittier, for lack of a better term. You'd also mentioned that you hadn't, at the time when that interview I referenced earlier dropped, you hadn't done a big crossover book like an Infinity Gauntlet. You ended up doing World War Hulk, which was great. How did you find that process for doing a huge collaborative uh, crossover? That's a great question. I found it difficult in that it was a, a, ma- a ma- mass, the amount of art-wise, it was incredible. But I also did Avengers versus X-Men, yeah. an issue or two, whatever it was. And I think that took a couple of years out of my life. But uh, on something that's that large and grand on a scale of 1 to 10, it's 10 in difficulty. And then when it's done, it's such a pleasure. It's 10 in pleasure because you're so proud you got through it. And then the ink artist that you work with and the color artist you work with who make it better all the time. Uh, I don't regret any assignment that's that, bit, that, that is that big. But if I could stop... Getting group books, I, I would probably say I'm not going to stop anybody because they, they tend to uh, enhance your abilities because it challenges you. Yeah. And that's all there is. And if, if I get to the point where I say, nah, I don't want to be challenged anymore, then I'm a prima donna and I'll never get any better. <laughs> it's the truth. And I, I, if my father's not a prima donna, You're I'm never going to be a prima donna. And then plus my mother would slap the shit out of me if I ever was. <laughs> She'd stand on a chair and slap me. Anywhere you'd like on that. All his questions. He said to complete that, there's a couple characters you wish to work on. What are those characters? If I... Well... Not reminiscing, but I wouldn't mind doing Daredevil again. However, if there's a character that I haven't done that I'd like to do, it's Doctor Strange. Or the Silver Surfer. Mm. I always love I love the Surfer. Love the Surfer. Uh, but Doctor Strange, I have a, a premise that actually was originally intended... Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. It was originally intended for uh, Silver Surfer, and now it applies to Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah, Doctor Strange, probably, because I have this great premise. This is a remark of anybody in general? Uh, anything. Dealer's choice. You got it. 
I'm I'm, keep asking questions. I was gonna say I've got no, questions out there, and I don't want to be the only one talking. So hit them. Yeah. But uh, so like that actually leads into: was there ever a story arc that you felt like you didn't get to complete that you'd love to go back to and like kind of overarch or wrap it up? I, I've I've never done a uh, truncated version. I got taken off of the X Men because of Starbrand. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's one of the worst moves. That, but I didn't have a choice. They told me to do it. Uh, no, I think I've, I've managed to come to a point where if there was a change in pro, uh, projects for me that they wanted to initiate, I didn't feel like I didn't do enough. Uh, I missed doing Daredevil after I did uh, the run with Anne, but I had done the thing with Frank. I've done a good amount of Daredevil, and I've done how many runs on Spider-Man? Four or five? At least, yeah. Um, I did... Yeah, even the, uh, the Hulk was a shorter run, but it wasn't frustrating that I was leaving it. I had done a good amount. So no, I don't think I've ever regretted getting off a book unless it was, I was told that I wasn't doing a good job and that hasn't happened yet. Well, listen, there's still time for that to happen. <laughs> Daredevil, you mentioned, because uh, you were on that book for uh, almost, almost four years with Anne. Um, did you, now that obviously it's, it's a commercial success at the time, it was a great book, but it wasn't on the top 10 list for the sales. Now we see with the Netflix series, Charlie Cox being back, is that a would it change your approach to the character artistically doing it That's now versus question. when you did it then? That, somebody asked something along those lines yesterday. I don't think I would unless they said to me the producers and the directors of the films wanted to look like this so it's not too disparate. I would prefer not to. Mm-hmm. And Daredevil's costume is the red costume should never be changed unless you tell me to make the the emblem on his chest larger. That's stupid. It's already large enough. There's nothing about it that should be changed. If a producer said something to that effect and they came to me and said, because of the series, you have to do this, <clears throat> I don't know how I take it. I would be a little annoyed, but if it were for the greater good, I wouldn't argue. I'm a team player. I'm what about a coward, the, but I'm a team player. The battle armor costume that D.G. Chichester and Scott Hanna, did you <clears throat> care for that costume? Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. Not so much. But I would go along with it to get along. Yeah. How do you feel about Marvel's depiction of Daredevil on the show? And I enjoyed the show very much. I also I was flattered by it because the director had contacted me and said, this is part and parcel to what you've done, you and Frank, with great, um, um, Man Without Fear. And that was a real, that was flattery beyond flattery. And he mentioned me along with Frank instead of just Frank. <laughs> I get that habit with guys like Neil, Neil Gaiman and Frank Miller. Oh, Frank Miller's Man Without Fear. Oh, illustrated by John. <laughs> and the same thing with gaming. But you get talents like that, nothing you can do about it. Have they reached out about, at all the new 18-episode story arc or no? no? Nothing yet. I haven't heard anything yet. And if they need a short, middle-aged Italian guy to play a part, I'll go find one. Want to be a henchman? <laughs> I don't think I'm tall enough to be a henchman. Not to have short actors around me. And listen, I was... I was not include. I, I I got cut out of the Kick-Ass film because I wasn't authentic looking enough. I was the only guy from New York on the set. <laughs> oh my God! What can I draw here? Uh, Spider-Man. All right. With the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we've got all the the Netflix series. Now everything's kind of being rolled in. The stuff that Sony's done. Is there a particular actor who you have liked more than anyone else for a certain role? We were like, they nailed the casting on that one. Bernthal on Punisher. Yeah. Uh, I knew other actors that I would have liked to play it because I think they physically looked more like it. But Bernthal showed a great uh, acting bit and he looks enough like the part and he was a badass. I liked it. 
Uh, Charlie Cox on Daredevil, I, I think with the glasses from Matt Murdock, 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 I don't think it, it really makes that much of a difference. Somebody else could do the same thing with red hair. They just give him a red dye. <laughs> but uh, Spider-Man's been have several different actors and so on. But I like what Bernthal did. I really did. It's, it is Bernthal, right? Bernthal, I believe so, yeah. yeah. I think he did a great job, and his acting is right along those lines. Yeah, he is. You mentioned having an affinity for Punisher because he's one of the few Italian superheroes. <laughs> well, Tony Stark was supposed to be Italian. I don't know how true that is. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's the, the fun thing about the Punisher. And also, it looks just like my buddy, Tony Sirico. Bertha won me over when he said he wouldn't come back if they wanted to water down Punisher. Is that right? I didn't hear that. No kidding. I mean, if you water down Punisher, you're going to Punisher. But that was nice of him to say it's something which is actually cogent because... If they did water down politically correct version, that would really annoy a lot of readers. They did. That would well, Disney tried when they first put the Daredevil show on Disney Plus. They actually took out a lot of the blood, but people noticed within like that's right. Hours, that's right. I remember that. Yes. Something crazy like that, and they fixed it within a day because so many people like. Were back. That's right. I it was remember. Such a popular series. I mean, if they try to change it, <laughs> like that, people aren't going to notice. Right. That was like Illuminati. <laughs> hey guys. You didn't actually go to school for comic book art. You went for advertising, at advertising illustration, University? advertising illustration. So, yes. with your dad, obviously, I mean, the art, the art seems to be kind of in your blood. Uh, was it was there that pull that you know what I'm going to end up being a comic book artist anyway? Or how did the? How no, did I didn't. I wasn't that defiant. I went up to Marvel in uh, in between semesters to get uh, work, just to play around to see if I could pay a couple of bills, and then he started giving me more work, and it just kind of progressed on its own. But I didn't go with the intention of becoming a cartoonist. I wanted to hear it happen for the right reason. And if they said to me, no, you're not good enough, I'd have been in advertising. It's simple as that. Do you think that advertising part of your brain helps you commercially when you're doing art and projects and everything like that? That's a great question. I I never thought of it that way, but maybe the creative end of advertising applies to the creative end of comic books, maybe visually. Mm -hmm. But storytelling-wise and story-wise, I don't know if it does. Hmm. That's a great question. I don't want to keep an eye. Like I said, I've got questions out the wazoo. If you guys want to jump in, I don't want to hold them up. <laughs> Can I grab, grab your... Because uh, I'm, I'm behind schedule as it is. And I don't want to irritate my wife. The last person. Yeah, I'd like Spider-Man also. You got it. Favorite Spider-Man actor so far? I think Holland. Holland? Yeah, I like, the way, I like what he did. I do too. But it's been two British actors? Yeah. yeah that cracks me up. <laughs> kind of weird. There are all, all these foreign people taking American jobs, these British <laughs> actors coming in here. That's right. <laughs> You're getting into doing conventions because we just saw you uh, earlier in your trip at uh, Planet Comic Con. So how have you liked getting back into the concert? Because you said before you loved yeah. doing them. but I enjoyed them while we were doing them before COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's always been hard work in that you got to travel and then you got to do the work and then you have to, you have to keep your own schedule. Uh, but with COVID, it made everybody miss the camaraderie and the, the fun with interaction with people. And now it's back and everybody's having a good time. We'll see how long it lasts before everybody gets irritated again. <laughs> Monkey pox might shut us down next. There you go. Know, there you go. Coming through or don't think of something. <laughs> Are you excited to be back on Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah. Is that one of the, the ones that you feel like it's, just, it's home for you? Yeah. Yes, that's the way to put it because it feels like it's an old buddy of mine. And uh, 
I, I don't know if it would have been a different title, how it would have been, but I probably would have enjoyed myself just as much. It's the character more than so much else. And I, I didn't realize when I was having you sign my, my books, I realized I had all four of them were Juggernaut-related issues, fighting, fighting <laughs> Juggernaut, Thor fighting Juggernaut. Um, you've created Shotgun. Right. And obviously you did a lot of work with Blackheart. Is there a villain who you like drawing more than any other villain? In general or Spider-Man? Uh, in general. Uh, I think the greatest villain of all time is Doctor, uh, Doctor Doom. Mm -hmm. uh, but I love doing the Kingpin. Oh, yeah. It just reminds me of a character my father created based on Sidney Greenstreet. And that made me love the fact that the Kingpin was based in reality in some way. Uh, and I just like the down-to-earthness of the character. He's not a super being, but he's a very powerful crime lord, you know, that kind of thing. They really um, upped his strength level in Hawkeye. Yes, they did. Up a little bit. Well, he was always like supposed to be strong as an ox, that kind of thing. You know, pretty big. <laughs> We're going to pause right there. Thanks to John Romita Jr. And we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back and you're going to hear my interview with my favorite Spider-Man artist of them all, Mark Begley. Right after this, you're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. everybody, this is Maria Canals Barrera. I voice Talk Girl on the Justice League, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio, heard here on the Big 550 KTRS every Sunday night. I'm your host, James Enstall, and I want to make sure we tell you about. The reason we are on the air, our official premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Next weekend is when the fun begins. If you are here in the Greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, make sure you head out to Main Street in Old St. Charles and check out their Legends and Lanterns Festival. Your chance to get involved in living history with these characters like Abigail Williams, Ichabod Crane. You can actually go up and talk to the Brothers Grimm. You can talk to Edgar Allan Poe and Mary Shelley and all these fantastic creatures who were there as well, like the Weird Sisters from Macbeth. We have the Queen of Hearts you can actually interact with. A lot of great characters out there. It's a family-friendly event, and it's Free. If you're looking for something to do with the family, if you've got a brood, you want to come out, dress in costume too. The kids can dress up, you can dress up. It's fun for the whole family. It's a great time. Uh, it, just get out and enjoy the last days of fall here before pretty soon it turns cold. And that, you know what that means? We're mostly going to be indoor people from then on out. So get out and enjoy the last days of the year here while we've got them. Watch the leaves change. Have some great food and drink. Shop at some great places. All these locally small-owned businesses up and down Main Street that work with the Convention and Visitors Bureau to put this event on. Check out the website, discoverstcharles.com. And of course, if you're listening and you're from out of town, plan a trip. Come see us. You've got three weekends in October. And of course, then you could always look at coming in December for their Christmas Traditions Festival, the largest and longing run, longest running Christmas festival in the country, Legends and Lanterns. Check that event out as well. Start your trip, whether you're local or from out of town, at the website, discoverstcharles.com. Once again, discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. 
Once again, to remind you, this is a pre-recorded interview. I am out of town in Pasadena, California. You heard the voice of Marie Canals Brera bringing us back from commercial break. I'm hosting a Justice League panel with her, George Newbern, who voiced Superman, our friend Susan Eisenberg, who voiced Wonder Woman, maybe a few other guests might show up too. But I will be back with you live next Sunday. But in the meantime, no best of, no pre-recorded stuff. Uh, I say pre-recorded like it's nothing you haven't heard before. These are new interviews, and I'm very excited to bring to you this next interview with my favorite Spider-Man artist of them all, Mark Bagley. Thrilled to be talking with, and this is no lie, my favorite Spider-Man artist in all of history, Mark Bagley. Uh, Thanks for the time today. You are welcome. So you got started drawing, uh, not that you started, but technical drawings for Lockheed Martin. Uh, no. <laughs> not, not, again, not that you started, but I know that's in your, in your portfolio. It's in my resume. Yeah, I was doing, I got out of art school and did construction for three years. And um, right about the time my back started going out so bad I couldn't put on a tool belt anymore, Lockheed was hiring. And uh, my sister-in-law at the time said, hey, she was working there. I said, you can do this technical drawing stuff because it was basically just... Tracing metal, tracing parts of airplanes and and exploding parts out, kind of like an IKEA yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, and uh, so that was really my first desk job drawing. Was that? But you always knew you wanted to be a comic book guy. There's a lot of artists who they were like they fell into it. They didn't. Well, this is kind of what I did. You always kind of knew. So you're living the dream. Yeah, I, I fell in love with comics when I was like I don't know eight nine years old, something like that, and just. I don't know when I decided I wanted to be a comic artist, but it was young, and which usually isn't a good idea. You shouldn't decide what you want to do for a living and be so so set on. I mean, I joined right. the army so I could afford art school, yeah. you know, and get out of the house. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've got five brothers and a sister, none of whom ever read a comic book in their lives, you know. So I was the weird one in the basement in high school drawing away. It seems it's worked out though. I would say it's worked out pretty well for you thus far. Yeah, so far. <laughs> And do, or do you still have comics from your kid uh, from when you were young? Do you still have a lot of those, or do you not? I mean, people throw stuff out. They don't keep them. They don't care. Well, I never bought them as a collector. I bought them, you know, I used a reference. I never bagged a comic in my life, never did any of that stuff. And we built, an, we built a house about 20 years ago. We designed and built it. And um, I had, you know, my brother-in-law did the framing. Another friend of mine did the interior work. And... Hmm. So a friend of mine did the low voltage wiring in the house, and uh, I had like thirty or forty long boxes oh, wow. in the old house, I and mean, we were downsizing some. And I hadn't looked at them in a little while. I used to go through my comics, and you know, I just and so I said, "Hap, you want these comics?" And he goes, "Yeah." So I just basically it took him four car trips because he had a small oh car God. to get him home. His wife was pissed at me because they, they spent the next six months on top of his pool table, you know. So, right. But no, I, I've got bookshelves with like some trades and collections and things like that, with stuff like, you know, I've read Planetary five times, you know, that sort of thing. So. But. And you're known for such. I mean, it's just such clean. It's a gorgeous look to the character, and you come right on the heels of Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson. Like I said, for me, you've got the best-looking Spider-Man. Ross Andrew, a second place. But did you have any pressure taking on the book? Was there any artistic nerves about it at all for you? Not really. I mean, yeah, nerves because I was terrified. You know, I mean, that that, <laughs> that first splash page, my first regular issue, it's the wonkiest figure I've ever drawn in my life. Just, <laughs> I was just so tight. But uh, I relaxed pretty quick. I, you know, I never felt any competition from Todd or, or, or um, the other guy, Eric, uh, just because I, I, I just draw the way I draw. I don't really have a style. I just draw and 
you know, try to get better and try to get better. And if you look at my stuff now as opposed to five years ago or ten years ago, I mean, I look at my Ultimate Spider-Man stuff and, you know, it's me and I was doing the best I could at the time, but I was also doing 18 issues a year. Right. Uh, I've slowed down a lot. Um, you know, it's... That, that didn't give me any pressure. The only pressure I felt was, yeah, I'm doing Spider-Man. I want to do the best I can, you know? You got to do a lot of new characters, too. Obviously, you and Fabian, who was here at the con, uh, did New Warriors together. Mm-hmm. You worked on Thunderbolts with Kurt Busiak. You got to do the Trinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Fabian, that's right, after after Kurt. So, uh, out of the team books, I know you don't like doing crowd scenes, I'm told. Well, crowd scenes are just difficult. It's not that I don't like doing it's, it's It's like, you know, drawing cityscapes is, is hard. It's and, TV isn't even really the right word. It's hmm. just time-consuming and that sort of thing. You, you know, don't. So my Wikipedia page has that I don't like drawing Captain America because I think I mentioned in an interview that I don't draw the shield at a convention because I don't have ellipses to draw the shield. Oh, so he doesn't draw the shield. He didn't, you know, so he doesn't like drawing Cap. I love drawing Cap. You know, it's on the internet. It must be true. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. With the team books, uh, Thunderbolts, New Warriors, all, all the other stuff, I mean, there's, there's so many characters you've worked on. Is there a character you've not had a chance to do in the actual comic books? Obviously, people come up with sketches all the time. Is there a comic book character you wish you could have done that you haven't had the chance to yet? Not really. I mean, I've done, over the years, I've done pretty much every, even even at DC, I got to draw yeah. a lot. You know, I wish I'd have been at, when I was at DC, I wish it had kind of worked out a little better where I could have, I mainly went there so I could work on Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman, you know, those you know, I like DC. They're just fine. I was always really a more of a Marvel guy, mm-hmm. but you know, I kind of went over there to do that, and that was the draw. Plus, I was just ready to make a change from Marvel, just to squeak the wheel a little bit. And um, that didn't re- work out really well. Uh, just I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. So I'm like, I wouldn't mind playing in that pool a little bit more. But when it comes to now, it's more about you know who I'm working with and having a good time and the stories being good rather than oh I'm dying to draw this character that because I have pretty much drawn everybody you know yeah yeah so a lot of great editors who worked on the Spidey books everyone from Jim Salakirk who's here Danny Fingeroth they're in the Clone Saga do you have an editor who you feel I don't want to say understood you better but you had a better rapport with as far as your work deadlines having to go back and redo things anything like that at all I uh, never had any trouble with any editor I've had I've had two editors that I had trouble with in my career. One was at DC, and one was at Marvel, and they shall remain nameless. But uh, Fair one, I got fired. Mm. And I'm very proud of that, actually, because wow. he, he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> um, and um, but no, I, editors, if, if they're a good editor, they pretty much stay out of. Your, if you're doing your job, they stay out of your way, and they facilitate things because that's that's basically their job. You know, not there to write the book. They're not there to, you know. Unless you screwed something up, which happens occasionally, they, they need to get on the phone. But if you're a professional and you're getting your job done, you, you know, they don't, you know, if they have a good sense of the character and what they're doing, then, then it's never really an issue. Talk to me a little bit about Brilliant with uh, Brian Michael Bendis. You've got this as a, your own title, basically. It's not licensed to anything. When you're working on a creator-owned title, as an artist, I know writers kind of have more freedom because they don't have the people standing over them as an artist working on a creator own book versus working for one of the big two does it make a difference to you artistically maybe to some people it doesn't to me I just I just do my thing you know and I mean when I'm working with Brian I'm brilliant I mean you know I've worked with Brian at that point for 15-20 years and um, it's it's just like you know putting on an old overcoat you know Um, you know I just basically just take the story and if I'm doing my job right, then 
nobody needs to worry about anything. So, With all the writers you mentioned, Brian, obviously you worked with some great writers. We mentioned Fabian and Kurt. Is there one... Uh, I didn't say they were great. Oh, no, I'm, no Fabian, uh, so if you're listening, Fabian, he's not... Do you have one who you feel like you've got a better, just a shorthand, like they, they send you something, you know what they want already, and there's not much more to it than that? Is there, not that you're having a favorite writer, but is there one that you feel you've got the best working relationship with where you kind of understand each other? It's more of a synergy. Uh, you know, of course, Brian, Fabian, Kurt, even. Um, it, it's the, the actual standout would be the ones that I've had trouble working with because, you know, a, they really didn't know what the hell they were doing, or B, I wasn't enjoying what they were giving me to draw. You know, which does you know, if if, if if you're not enjoying what you're drawing, if you're not enjoying the story, then it makes it harder to draw them. Um, so, yeah, it's you know, I can I, I can count on one hand the, the number of writers who I've really not enjoyed working with, and and if I didn't enjoy what I didn't work with them for long, so. And I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, last question for you. Inking. Well, there's a lot of inkers here. People have inked your work. Um, you mean tracers? <laughs> is that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Keith Williams, if you're listening, he's kidding. Um, do you have one? Do you do you like when, do you have a certain inker who you think captures what you're doing better than another? Or is there a certain inker who you like working with best that you can leave your pencils a little looser, for lack of a better word, that let them kind of do their thing? I pencil just the way I pencil, okay. and the inker—it's the inker's job to interpret it. And you know, like I said, a, a good inker makes you better, and a bad inker makes you worse. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing worse; it's, it's just hard. So, I'm at the stage in my career where I pretty much work with just guys who, you know, make me look better. Yeah. And um, I'm not—I'm not embarrassed about going up. That the guy's not—he can even be a really talented, really good inker, but sometimes their their look doesn't look right on you. You know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, right now, you know, John Dell and Drew Hennessy, uh, Scott Hanna. Um, there's a couple other guys who I've used uh, names because I don't remember names anymore. I'm with uh, you. Are drawing a blank <laughs> on me. Um, you know, I, I'm actually doing more ink, more of my own inking basically on covers and things just because I, I want to have more control of the cover art and that yeah. sort of thing. But, uh, um, so, yeah, it's, you know, John Dell is a dream. When he's on his game, and he usually is, it's like... Sometimes I just look at it and go, holy shit, you know? <laughs> and uh, D- uh, Drew Hennessy's the same way, mm-hmm. yeah. So, And with, uh, I always grab a variant comic. If I've got you as the variant cover artist, I always get those. What other stuff are you working on? People want to catch up with you and keep up with what you're doing. What are you doing now that people can go out and get your stuff? Right now, nobody can get anything on my stuff because I don't have anything being published right now. I've got my next project. Uh, I, I heard this weekend that it, it, it debuts in October. It's going to be a new Spider-Man book. Oh, great. With uh, um, um, Dan... Um, God. I'm the same way with names. Uh, <laughs> Dan Slot. Oh, Dan, perfect. Yeah, Dan Slot's writing it. Yes. It's basically the first six issues is finishing up his uh, Spider-Verse opus. Gotcha. And uh, it's like the last act or whatever, however they call that. And then it's just going to be an ongoing thing. And I tell people, and don't hold me to it, but this may be my last really ongoing interior work. Because oh. it's just, I'm, it's, it's, it's a hell of a grind. I'm ready to ease sure. up. It just made me do covers and don't. The occasional one shot and that sort of thing, but don't hold me to it because I still do love what I do. So. In conventions, obviously, we'll still see you in the convention, sir. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Mark Begley, it's been great. Thanks for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. 
My thanks again to Mr. Mark Bigley. Make sure you check out that upcoming project that he's going to be working on with Dan Slott, those gorgeous variant covers. I'm a sucker for a good variant cover. Ask anybody. Uh, We're going to take another quick commercial break. We're going to come back and we'll chat with Jerry Conway, the co-creator of The Punisher, Firestorm, and more. We'll get his take on some of the stuff going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and more. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Well, I watch the world flow to the dark side of the moon. I feel there's nothing I can do. Hi, this is Shin Han, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio, heard here on the Big 550 KTRS every Sunday night. Make sure you check out our website as well, geek2meradio.com. If you missed an episode of the show, uh, we can always go back and check out the back catalog with some of these guests, like Chin Han, who brought us back from commercial break. My executive producer, Joey V, does a great job obtaining, maintaining, updating and maintaining, I should say, the website. So if you look, you can look under the celebrity interview section. They're in alphabetical order. Find who you're looking for and click play, and you can listen to those back episodes of geek to me radio want to make sure we tell you about speaking of back episodes bugs comics and games bugs comics and games is the official comic book sponsor for geek to me radio and we're very glad to have them on board if you're looking for a back issue if you're looking for a variant cover that you don't have or maybe your local comic book store doesn't have and you're listening outside the greater st louis st charles area hit them up on their website bugs comics and games.com uh, they'll happily ship your order to you make sure also if you're whether you're out of town or in town Join the Avengers Club. It's hard enough to keep up on your hobbies when the price of everything keeps going up. The price of gas is going up. The price of beef is going up. The electric bill is going up. Save money where you can and don't skimp on your hobby. Join the Avengers Club and you start saving money on your new comics, on your back issues, on your games, on your supplies, whatever it may be that you are wanting to collect or get. Save some money that way by joining the Avengers Club. A fun way to save some money and still enjoy your hobby. BugsComicsAndGames.com is the website. And, of course, give them a like on Facebook, Facebook.com slash BugsComicsAndGames. Larry and Tim will be very glad that you did. We're going to try to grow that Facebook page, grow the following, grow the Avengers Club, and, of course, enjoy comic books the way they're meant to be done by buying them at your local store. Get out there. If you don't have a local store, then uh, Bugs Comics and Games might be just the place for you. Once again, the website bugscomicsandgames.com we're very pleased to have them as the official comic book sponsor here on geek to me radio now with that said speaking of comic books man jerry conway when you think of an icon all the different people he's worked with the co-creations of these characters he's done obviously the death of gwen stacy we got into all that when we sat down with him at terrific con we're talking with i'd say legendary is a good word to describe jerry conway thanks for your time today you betcha so all the stuff you've written, you've done stuff for TV, films, comic books. When you started out as a writer, where did you envision yourself? You know, you let, you know, flashback, you're a young Jerry Conway. Is this where you envision yourself, your career going? Well, I, I mean, I started writing professionally uh, just before I turned 16. I sold my first story at, uh, the summer uh, I, I turned 16. So at that time, my, my goal was to write comic books. Uh, and my long-term goal is to write and direct movies, mm. um, and uh, so that was really pretty much you know all I had in mind. I wanted to uh, do things in the fields that I loved. 
And was comic books something you were exposed to growing up? Did you collect them as a boy? Yes, very much. I mean, I, I think I read my first comic books when I was like six, seven years old, oh, wow, okay. something like that. I mean, my mom taught me to read uh, on newspaper strips, so mm. uh, that's pretty much, you know, my, my origin story. <laughs> uh, I read a lot of, you know, juvenile fiction, uh, but comics were... were uh, Pretty much a, 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 a mainstay of my, my uh, you know preteen uh, childhood, and I discovered uh, the Marvel books uh, just around the time I turned. I think the first issue of Fantastic Four came out just around the time I was turning ten. Oh wow! So uh, I got in really early. <laughs> And when I looked over, I had to write them down to make sure I didn't leave any out. Characters you've created, we've got Vixen, Steel, Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley, Punisher, Ms. Marvel, which was Carol Danvers, uh, that version, uh, Firestorm, Power Girl, Jason Todd, the second Robin, Killer Croc, Man-Thing, <laughs> Werewolf by Night, and those are just the ones I had room on the card for. When you look at all the characters you've worked on, obviously a lot of these now have gone on to see the treatments on TV and in the movies. Is there any one adaptation of a character in live action you've been particularly keen on, like, that is the version I always pictured? Oh, sure. I think the, uh, the Netflix uh, version of uh, The Punisher mm. is the most... Uh, true to the, true to the material as it evolved, you know. I mean, it isn't true to the original uh, visual conception of the character, but you know, uh, as the Punisher has evolved over time, uh, I think that show captured the best qualities of the of the character f- over the decades. Uh, and I, I've I always enjoyed what the CW was doing with. Various characters. I liked the Vixen mm-hmm. uh, adaptation. Uh, she, they, they did a really good job with her costume. Yeah. Uh, you know, the special effects on uh, for those shows were always kind of minimal, so you really couldn't do much with Firestorm. But you know, it was nice to see, and Steel was nice to see. Um, you know, all of them. It's always a pleasure to see something that you've done have resonance outside the field. As a fan and Firestorm, the work that you and Pat Broderick did, obviously, on that series remains one of my favorite. And it always infuriated me watching the CW shows. He can rearrange atoms, not just shoot right. blasts out of his hand. Right. Like, why are they... Ne- they never really leaned into that aspect well, of the character. It's it's hard. I mean, you know, it would, it, it's, a, it's a much more uh, complex visual to create. So I get that. You know, uh, at one point they were talking about uh, when, they, when the DC uh, Infinite thing was happening or right, that, yeah. that they the were crossover. going yeah the the, uh, the 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 DC universe or whatever it was their 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 streaming service that they were oh, going to yes, do yes 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 yeah. yes yes DC universe <laughs> for yes. about 5 minutes right. uh, <laughs> I was it lasted longer than Quibi so there's right. that there's that <laughs> uh, but they were talking at that point about doing a, a new live action version of the character mm. that went back to the Ronnie Raymond Martin Stein roots you know from uh, as a teenage uh, hero. So that would have been fun, and I think they would have tried to do more of the, the construct thing with that. And I'm an 80s kid, so I grew up watching the Superpowers team. They had Cyborg and Firestorm. Sure. That was a great adaptation of the character. The voices are still the ones I hear in my head. With the animation stuff, is there a particular animation style or a cartoon that you liked the best out of all the stuff you've created these characters from? Well, I really like what they did with uh, Killer Croc in The Batman. Oh, you yeah. Know, that, that was a very... Uh, uh, that, that, I think, really made the character pop for the modern audience. 
uh, because he was more than just a disfigured guy. He was a full-blown uh, creature. Um, and I liked, I, I think the, it was either Brave and Bold or Justice League. They did a, a version of uh, Firestorm in that, and that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all bits and pieces here and there. With writing, certain people have a certain style. You are very hard to pigeonhole to a specific <laughs> thing. You've done sci-fi, you've done fantasy, you've done horror, you've done action, you've done superheroes. Where do, what do you attribute that to? I, I don't want to say you don't have a wheelhouse, because that's unfair, but you've got such a broad range. Well, I have a lot of interests, you know. <laughs> uh, but I think there is a through line in that, you know, most of my work, uh, when I'm uh, writing to my strengths, has an emotional component to it and a, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a tragic element to it, mm. which I think plays well for horror and for uh, suspense. Uh, so when you have those elements in a book, in a comic, uh, that's where my strong suit lies. You know, I'm also kind of a, a wise-ass uh, as a writer, <laughs> and so I work well on books like Spider-Man and uh, Firestorm in particular, which was intended to be a wise-ass book. Uh, you know, taking, as the British say, taking the piss yeah. uh, on this material. Uh, I've always felt that comics, uh, at its best, managed to toe the line between taking itself seriously but not too seriously. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's another aspect of my writing that I think, you know, I exploit pretty well. And I feel like Marvel may do that a little bit better than DC because they are mm -hmm. these real characters with, obviously, Spider-Man, these real failings and foibles and everything so right. would you say that's a marked difference between the two companies yeah i think i think marvel marvel gets more into uh, i mean there are writers obviously at dc who do do this sure. but they, they try to get more into uh the trauma of superhero mm -hmm. life you know i mean that was i think stan's uh real uh insight was that just because you have powers doesn't change the fact that you're a human being right. and everything that comes with that, you know. Uh, with DC's characters, so many of them are outside human experience, you know, and it, literally, you know, in the sense of, like, Superman, uh, who I think is a, a, a marvelously iconic character, and at his best, they use the fact that he's an... Uh, that he's like above humanity to express qualities in humanity that we'd like to see in ourselves uh, but that's not a that's not somebody that you can actually relate to yeah you know yeah uh, I think one of the reasons Batman is DC's most popular character is that he's rooted in trauma and every human being is rooted in trauma of one sure. kind or another and so while he's the has the, the the heightened trauma, just like Peter Parker has his heightened trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, there's elements of it that we can all kind of relate to. You know that feeling of uh, just not quite fitting. You know into the world that we yeah. find ourselves in. And the big Superman Spider Man crossover that was a huge thing. If I'm not mistaken, that was the first big yes. intercompany. Nowadays, here in the modern age, I can't imagine there's not like two boardrooms full of lawyers who'd be like, "Well, you can't do that. You can't do that." Was it easier to do that back then, or were there still a bunch of hurdles? No, I mean it was it was pretty pretty simple. I mean once once 
the publishers of the t two companies decided that they were going to do it, Stan and uh, Carmine, um, the rest was basically just, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's. I mean, there were whatever legal representation was involved was mostly on the business side of things who would share what mm -hmm. amount of what profits and, and how that would go uh, but you know we were both of those companies even though they were corporate owned were not really given much corporate oversight mm -hmm. at that okay. time because neither one of them was considered to be a particularly valuable entity it's hard to imagine now <laughs> yeah it's really true <laughs> Um, you know, back in 76 or 77, whenever, whenever it was, this was before the Superman movie, which really broke things open for the comic business in terms of uh, mainstream media. And keeping with Spider-Man for just a moment, uh, you killed off Gwen Stacy. Sure. And I understand Stan Lee wasn't happy about it. Is that just an urban legend or that he well, called you and were like, what are you doing? He wasn't happy about the negative feedback he got at college campuses, but he approved it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he, he created a, uh, an urban myth that he had been out of town when we did it, which uh, is not the truth. Okay. You, know, you don't make a major change to the company's flagship book without the publisher signing off on it. And uh, he was also very much, you know, the, the editorial supervisor, even though Roy Thomas was the editor-in-chief. Uh, Roy was going to pass everything, you know, that was of major importance mm. uh, by Stan. And we had a meeting over it. So, you know, it was not a, it was not a surprise to him. I think what was a, was a surprise was the negative feedback. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a character, because they always say comic book characters never stay dead. Gwen Stacy stayed dead for quite a while. Were you surprised to see them bring her back first in the uh, that secondary type of clone saga, but also in the uh, Spider-Gwen? Well, I mean, I was I was forced to bring her back in the clone saga, uh, the, the first element of the clone saga, the uh, Jackal storyline, mm -hmm. because Stan was upset by the feedback he was getting at college campuses. So he just wanted me to bring her back. He didn't care how. I explained that, you know, for her death, uh, it would be a cheat for the reader and for uh, Peter Parker that she comes back from the dead. So I said, Is it, would it be okay if I contrived something where it wasn't really her? He said, I don't care. Just bring her back, <laughs> and then you can get rid of her. Just, you know, just do it so that I, they don't yell at me anymore. Right. Uh, so we, we came up with uh, that solution, uh, a clone, and that led into, you know, all the various complications and story options. Um, and, and she has never come back. I mean, the, the multiverse version of her is not Gwen. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's great. I think that she and Uncle Ben, uh, as original uh, tragedies in Peter's life, you know, are, it's crucial that they they don't return because it evaporates exactly what makes him who he is today. Yeah. And I know there's controversy surrounding the Punisher because uh, it's been uh, police are using his symbol and everything like that. They've now changed that. I'm not sure how much you keep up with the characters. Yeah. So you know he's back. He's like one of the ninjas now. That he's got swords instead of the. What what do you think about this change? <laughs> is it is it going to be something they end up changing back like recasting? Batman from Bruce to Jean-Paul Valet and back sure, to Bruce? Sure. Yeah, I mean, this is a temporary thing, I'm, I'm certain. Uh, even when, I, when the first issue of the new book came out, there was a, my local comic book store had me do a signing, and uh, I'd say that 80% of the books that I signed was the 
variant cover that Alex Ross did with the original uh, symbol. Right. Uh, That's the symbol. (laughs) You can play around with it. You can ignore it for a few years, and I think that's wise, to Mm -hmm. be honest. I think taking that character, uh, that symbol, out of uh, commission for, say, four or five years is a smart move. And possibly, you know, that'll... Reduce its impact, and then when it when it comes back, it'll be a new thing, yeah. you know, a new day. And with all the last question, I want to keep you too much longer. But the uh, all the people who have written the characters you helped create, um, I'm not sure how much you keep up with comics. You're a comic book guy, and you wrote all these characters. Do you have a particular writer who's done something on with a, a certain story for a character you've really been like, that is brilliant. It really kind of stood out to you. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I loved everything that uh, Garth Ennis did with uh, The Punisher. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was a fan of Dan Slott's run on Spider-Man. Um, you know, the, the various... Uh, there are a lot of people over the years who've picked up the threads that I left dangling, and, and I think that's great. Uh, Jeff Johns did terrific work with uh you know his version of of steel Mm -hmm. um you know i'm I'm grateful that uh uh you know he had input at uh the cw to to get a lot of those characters from the uh justice league detroit you know revived so it's been it's it's always a pleasure to see your characters uh revived in a in a way that's truthful to the to the archetype that they represent, you know what I. The, the only thing that ever bugs me is when uh, a, a new creative team misses the point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, uh, did you read the book in the original <laughs> case, and and why are you changing something that worked really well for a long period of time? Right. Uh, I mean, you should always update. You should always bring things into the uh, the modern era, but you should try to discover why this particular setup worked uh, and I'm, 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 I'm surprised when, when people miss that on some characters and if people want to keep up with you I know you're active on Twitter uh, website social media handles anything uh, else just Twitter for now Twitter. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, committed to that 147 or 240 uh, <laughs> uh, characters characters have, yeah. uh, you know that, as a format I like that uh, it keeps me keeps me from rambling on too long (laughs) understood jerry it's been great thanks so much for your time thank you always a pleasure thank you once again to all my guests to jerry conway to mark begley and to john romita jr it was a great pleasure to speak with all of them before we get out of here i want to make sure we tell you about our official movie sponsor marcus theaters if you want to get out and see the woman king or smile or one of the great movies that are out right now you can get tickets online now uh tickets are ready to go for black adam you can buy your tickets at the website marcustheaters.com if you're going to go see a movie don't waste your time going to a theater where the seats are all ratty and the popcorn stale and the sound is kind of sus to begin with Go see it at a theater that does it right. Marcus Theaters, and of course, Marcus Theaters with Movie Tavern uh, have locations in many, many, many states. Check the website to see the one closest to you. Buy your tickets right there in line. Check out movie reviews and more. And of course, you can download the app and you can then do all that right from the app or your smartphone or smart device with the Marcus Theaters app. And of course, if you're looking to do something special here, the end of the year is coming up. Maybe you want to have some kind of a party. Maybe you got birthdays coming up or something 
else that you want to celebrate, rent a private theater at Marcus. It's a great time where you and 20 of your friends can go and hang out and enjoy a movie uh, for just starting at $149, just the low, low price of $149 to hang out in your own private theater. It's so cool. We did it for Thor Love and Thunder with a bunch of people, and it's, it's, it's just a great time. Check them out on the website. Once again, MarcusTheaters.com is that website. Very proud to have them as the official movie sponsor here on Geeks Me Radio. As we always say, it's the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. Check out GeekToMeRadio.com. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter there so you can keep up to date with all the stuff we've got going on. Give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at geek to me radio and of course the facebook page give us a like there facebook.com slash geek to me radio a lot going on and a lot more great guests coming up the rest of this month i'll be back with you live next sunday until then my friends it's not in the way you watch the flash it's not in the way you love scotty young art it's not in the way you play mario kart Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.